How to Master Secret Work, a pamphlet by the Communist Party of South Africa. From the 1980s, this first appeared as a series in the magazine Umsebenzi. Chapter 13, Emergency and Czech Meetings. The leader of an underground unit, Comrade A, has arranged regular and reserve meetings with B and C. This allows for reliability and continuity of contact in the course of their secret work. This has been progressing well. Comrade A decides to organize other forms of meetings with them because of the complexity of the work. 1. Emergency meeting. The comrades have found that they sometimes need to meet urgently between their regular meetings. An emergency meeting is for the rapid establishment of contact should the comrades need to see each other between the set meetings. There are similar conditions as for a regular meeting, such as time, place, and legend. The additional element is a signal for calling the meeting. This signal might be used by either the unit leader A or the other cell members when they need to convey urgent information. A confirmation signal is also necessary, which indicates that the call signal has been seen or understood. This must never be placed at the same location as the call signal. Signals. These are prearranged signs, phrases, words, marks, or objects put in specified places, such as on objects in the streets, on buildings, etc., or specified phrases in postcards, letters, on the telephone, etc. Example of an emergency meeting. Comrade A has directed that the venue for the unit's emergency meeting is a certain park bench beside a lake. The time is for 5.30 p.m. on the same day that the call signal is used. As with regular meetings, he also indicates a reserve venue for the emergency meeting. Comrade A arranges different call signals for B and C, which they can also use if they need to summon him. Call and answer signal for B. This signal could be a chalk mark placed by A on a certain lamppost. Comrade A knows that B walks past the pole every morning at a certain time on his way to work. B must always be on the lookout for the chalk mark. This could simply be the letter X in red chalk. By 2 p.m. that day, B must have responded with the confirmation signal. This could be a piece of colored string wound round a fence near the bus stop. It could equally be a piece of blue chalk crushed into the pavement by the steps of a building or some graffiti scrawled on a poster. In other words, anything clear, visible, and innocent-looking. The two comrades can now expect to meet each other at the park bench later that day. Call and answer signal for C. C has a telephone at home. Before she leaves for work, Comrade A phones her from a public call box. He pretends to dial a wrong number. Good morning, is that Express Dairy? He asks. Sorry, wrong number. C replies and adds, Not such a good morning, you got me out of the bath. This is C's innocent way of confirming that she has understood the signal. Obviously, such a signal cannot be repeated. Section 2, a check meeting. This is a, quote, meeting between the unit leader and a subordinate comrade to establish only through visual contact whether the comrade is all right. 
Such a checkup becomes necessary when a comrade has been in some form of danger and where direct physical contact is unsafe to attempt, such as if the comrade has been questioned by the police or been under surveillance. There are a number of conditions for such a meeting. Date and time, place or route of movement, actions, legend, signals, including danger or well-being. Example of a check meeting. C has been questioned by the police. As a result, contact with her has been cut. After a few days, comrade A wants to check how she is and calls her through a signal to a check meeting. At 4 p.m. on the day following the call signal, C goes shopping. She wears a yellow scarf indicating that she was subject to mild questioning and that everything has appeared normal since. She follows a route which takes her past the post office by 4.20 p.m. She does not know where A is, but he has taken up a position which conceals his presence and gives him a good view of C. He is also able to observe whether C is being followed. On passing the post office, C stops to blow her nose. This is to reinforce her feeling that everything is now normal. To reinforce the message that she feels uh, that everything is now normal, I think. It is for A to decide whether to restore contact with C or to leave her on ice for a while longer, subjecting her to further checks. Chapter 14, A Blind Meeting. The leader of an underground unit, Comrade A, receives instructions from the leadership to meet Comrade D. Comrade D is a new recruit, whom the leadership are assigning to A's unit. A and D are strangers to one another. Conditions are therefore drawn up for a blind meeting, that is, a meeting between two underground workers who are unknown to one another. Recognition signs and passwords. There are similar conditions as for regular and other forms of meeting, such as date, time, place, action of subordinate, and legend. In addition, there is the necessity for recognition signs and passwords, which are to aid in identification. The recognition signs enable the commander or senior, in this case A, to identify the subordinate from a safe distance and at close quarters. Two recognition signs are therefore needed. The passwords, including the reply, are specially prepared words and phrases which are exchanged and give the go-ahead for the contact to begin. These signs and phrases must look normal and not attract attention to outsiders. At this point, the reader should prepare an example for a blind meeting and compare it with the example we have given. Now, how would you do a blind meeting? Our example has been purposely printed upside down to encourage the reader to participate in this suggested exercise. So take a minute and think about it. How would you set up a blind meeting? What passwords would you use? Do remember that all the examples given in our series are also read by the enemy, so do not blindly copy them. They are suggestions to assist activists with their own ideas. So take a moment and think of your own idea. Pause this podcast. Are you ready to continue? Here is an example of a blind meeting place. A toy shop on Smith Street. Date and time, December 20th, 6 p.m. Action, 
Comrade D is to walk down the street in an easterly direction to stop at toy shop and gaze at the toy display for five minutes. Legend, D is simply walking about town carrying out window shopping. When A makes contact, they are to behave as though they are strangers who have just struck up a friendship. Recognition signs, D carries an OK Bazaar's shopping bag. The words OK have been underlined with a black pen for close-up recognition. Passwords, A says, pardon me, but do you know whether this shop sells children's books? B. I don't know. There are only toys in the window. A says, I prefer to give books for presents. Note, the opening phrase will be used by A after he has observed D's movements and satisfied himself that the recognition signs are correct and that D has not been followed. A completes the password with a closing phrase which satisfies D that A is the correct contact. The two can now walk off together, or A might suggest a further meeting somewhere else. A brush meeting. This is a brief meeting where material is quickly and silently passed from one comrade to another. Conditions for such a meeting, such as place, time, and action, are carefully planned beforehand. No conversation takes place. Money, reports, or instructions are swiftly transferred. Split-second timing is necessary, and contact must take place in a dead zone, i.e., in areas where passing the material cannot be seen. For example, as D walks down the steps of a department store, A passes D and drops a small package into D's shopping bag. Quote, accidental meeting. This is, in fact, a deliberate contact made by the commander, which comes as a surprise to the subordinate. In other words, it takes place without the subordinate's foreknowledge. A, quote, accidental meeting takes place where, A, there has been a breakdown in communication, B, the subordinate is not fully trusted, and the commander wants to have an, a, quote, unexpected talk with him or her. The commander must have good knowledge of the subordinate's movements and plan his or her actions before, during, and after the meeting. Chapter 15. Non-Personal Communication Comrade A has been mainly relying on personal forms of communication to run the underground unit. With the police stepping up their search for revolutionary activists, he decides to increase the use of non-personal communication. These are forms of secret communication carried out without direct contact. These do not replace the essential meetings of the unit, but reduce the number of times the comrades need to meet, thereby minimizing the risks. The main forms. These are telephone, postal system, press, signals, radio, and dead letter box, DLB. The first three are in everyday use and can be used for secret work if correctly exploited. Signals can be used as part of the other forms or as a system on their own. Radio communication, coded, will be used by higher organs of the movement and not by a unit like A's. The DLB is the most effective way of passing on material and information without personal contact. DLB, that would be like a dead drop. Yeah, we'd say today. 
Comrade A introduces these methods cautiously because misunderstandings are possible. People prefer face-to-face -face contact, so confidence and skill must be developed. Telephone, post, and press. These are reliable means of secret communication if used properly. Used carelessly, in the past they have been the source of countless arrests. The enemy intercepts telephone calls and mail going to known activists and those they regard as suspicious. Phone calls can be traced and telexes as well as letters. Telexes would be faxes, I think. Uh, they can be intercepted. International communication is especially vulnerable. For example, a phone call from Botswana to Soweto is likely to arouse the enemy's interest. What is required are safe phones and addresses th through which uh, can be passed innocent-sounding messages for calling meetings, re-establishing contact, warning of danger, etc. The telephone. This allows for the urgent transmission of a signal or message. The telephone must be used with a reliable and convincing coding system and legend. Under no circumstances must the phone be used for involved discussion on sensitive topics. Comrade A has already used the phone to call C to an emergency meeting. See number 14, chapter 14 of this series. The arrangement was that he pretended to dial a wrong number. This was the signal to meet at a prearranged place and time. Up to now, he has been meeting with her to collect propaganda material. He now wishes to signal her when to pick it up herself, but prefers to avoid phoning her at home or work. If she takes lunch regularly at a certain cafe, or is at a sports club at a certain time, or near a public phone, he knows how to reach her when he wishes. A simple call such as the following is required. Is that Miss So-and-so? This is Nlovu here. I believe you want to buy my Ford Escort? If so, you can view it tomorrow. This could mean that C must collect the propaganda material at a certain place in two days' time. The reference to a car is a code for picking up propaganda material. Nlovu is the code name for the pickup place. Tomorrow means two days' time. Two days' time would mean three days. Counting inclusively, I guess. Today, tomorrow, then, and the day after that. Post. This can be used to transmit similar messages as above. A telegram or greeting card with a message that Uncle Morris is having an operation. Could be a warning from A to C to cut contact and lie low until further notice because of possible danger. The use of a particular kind of picture postcard could be a signal for a meeting at a prearranged place 10 days after the date on the card. Signals can be contained in the form the sender writes the address, the date, or the greeting. My dear friend, together with the fictitious address of the sender, number 168 Fox Street, means to be ready for a leaflet distribution and meet at 16 hours, it's 4 p.m., on the 8th of the month at a venue codenamed Fox. Many such forms of signals can be used in letters. Even the way the postage stamp is placed can be of significance. The press. This is the use of the classified ads section. Candy, I miss you. Please remember our anniversary of the 22nd. 
love, Alan. This could be A's arrangement for re-establishing contact with C if she has gone into hiding. The venue and time will have been pre-arranged, but the advert will signal the day. Such ads give many possibilities not only in the press, but on notice boards in colleges, hostels, shopping centers, and so on. Chapter 16, Signals. Comrade A has been introducing various forms of non-personal communications, NPC, to his underground unit. At times, he has carefully used the telephone, post, and press to pass on innocent-sounding messages. See number 16 of this series. Key phrases, spoken and written, have acted as signals for calling meetings, warn warning of danger, etc. He has also used graphic signals such as a chalk mark on a lamppost or an object like a colored piece of string tied to a fence as call and answer signs. See number 14. Signals can be used for a variety of reasons and are essential in secret work. They greatly improve the level of security of the underground and help to avoid detection by the enemy forces. Everyday signals. The everyday use of signals shows how useful they are in conveying messages and what an endless variety exists. Road traffic is impossible without traffic lights where color carries the message, and road signs where symbols or graphics are used. Consider how hand signals are used in different ways, not only to direct traffic, but for countless purposes, from sport to soldiers on patrol. Everybody uses the thumbs-up signal to show that all is well. Consider how police and robbers use signals, and you will realize how important they are for underground work. In fact, in introducing this topic to his unit, Comrade A asks them to give examples of everyday signals. The reader should test his or her imagination in this respect. For our purpose, signals are divided into type and usage. Type, sound, voice, music, whistle, animal sound, knocking, etc. Color, all the hues of the rainbow. Graphic, drawing, figures, letters, numbers, marks, graffiti, symbols, etc. Actions, behavior and movement of a person or a vehicle. Objects, the placing or movement of anything from sticks and stones to flower pots and flags. Use, uses of these symbols to call all forms of meetings, to instruct people to report to a certain venue or individual, to instruct people to prepare for a certain task or action, to inform of danger or well-being, to indicate that a task has been carried out, to indicate a presence or absence of surveillance, to indicate recognition between people. Whatever signals are invented to cover the needs of the unit, they must be simple, easy to understand, and not attract attention. Here are some examples of how signals can be used. One example is included, which is bad from the security point of view. See if you can spot it. Consider each example in terms of type and usage. Comrade A draws a red arrow on the wall to call B to an emergency meeting. 
D whistles a warning to C, who is slipping a leaflet under a door, indicating that someone is approaching. B stops at a post box and blows his nose, indicating to A, observing from a safe distance, that he is being followed. D hangs only blue washing on his clothesline to indicate that the police have visited him and that he believes he is in danger. B enters a hotel wearing a suit with a pink carnation and orders a bottle of champagne. These are signals to C that she should join him for a secret discussion. C having to deliver weapons to quote Esther, whom she has not met before, must park her car at a rest spot venue on the highway. C places a tissue box on the dashboard and drinks a can of cola. These are the recognition signals for E to approach her and ask the way to the nearest petrol station. This phrase and a Mickey Mouse keyring held by E are the signs which show that E is her blind contact. Note: Both will use false number plates on their cars to remain anonymous from each other. C places a strip of colored sticky tape inside a public telephone box to inform A that she has successfully delivered weapons to E. The bad example: D's pink carnation and champagne draws unwanted attention. Chapter 17. Dead letter box. Comrade A's underground unit has been mastering forms of non-personal communication to make their work secret and efficient. Comrade A feels they now have sufficient experience to use the DLB, sometimes called a dead drop, to pass literature, reports, and funds between one another. The DLB. It is a hiding place, such as a hollow in a tree or the place under the floorboards. It is used like a post box to pass material between two people. To give a definition, a DLB is a natural or man-made hiding place for the storage and transfer of material. It can be a large space for hiding weapons or small for messages. It can be located inside buildings or out of doors, in town or the countryside. It can be in natural spaces such as the tree or floorboards. Or manufactured by the operative, such as a hollowed-out fence pole, or a hole in the ground, it is always camouflaged. Selecting the DLB, it is very important to carefully select the place where the DLB is to be located. Follow the rules. It must be easy to describe and find. Avoid complicated or confusing descriptions, which make it difficult for your partner to find it. It must be safe and secure. It must be well concealed from casual onlookers. Beware of places where children play, gardeners work, or unhoused relatives hang out. It must not be near enemy bases or places where guards are on duty. It must not be overlooked by buildings and windows. It must allow for safe deposit and removal of material. The operatives must feel secure about their actions in depositing and removing material. They must be able to check whether they are being watched. The place must be in keeping with their public image and legend. It must allow for weather conditions and time of day. 
DLBs can be exposed or damaged by rain or flooding. Some locations may be suspicious to approach by day and dangerous by night. Preparation. This involves constructing and camouflaging the DLB, making a diagram, working out a signal system and security arrangements. If you are burying the material, put it in a tin, a bottle, or other weatherproof container. Once you have selected the place for your DLB, you will have to prepare it. This will usually take place under cover of night, whether you are digging a hole or hollowing out a cavity in a tree and camouflaging it. You will have to make an accurate description, preferably including a simple diagram. You will have to work out a signal system for yourself and your partner, indicating deposit and removal of material. Finally, work out a check route to and from the DLB and a legend for being there. Example of DLB. Comrade A has spotted a loose brick in a wall. The wall is located along a little used path and shielded by trees. At night, he hollows out a space behind the brick, large enough to take a small package. The loose brick is the tenth along the wall, second row down. The brick fits securely into the wall, but can be quickly removed with the use of a nail. The operation takes ten seconds, and the footsteps of any stranger approaching can be easily heard. A's description of the DLB. Reference number DLB 3. Loose brick in wall. Location path leading from 4th Street to golf course. Direction in 4th Street just past the 61 bus stop is the path with red brick wall on the right, wooden fence on the left. Three paces down the path on the right, just before a tree, is the DLB in the brick wall. The DLB, it is a loose brick with a white paint smudge. As you walk down the path from 4th Street, it is the 10th brick along the wall, second row from the top. In the space between this brick and the 9th brick is a hole. Place a nail into this hole to help to pry out the brick. The space behind the brick holds a package wrapped in plastic with dimensions 12 by 6 by 3 centimeters. After removing the package, replace the brick using blue tack or other sealing substance to hold it in place. Signals 1. After A deposits material, he ties a piece of red string to a fence, signaling that the DLB is loaded. 2. After B removes material from the DLB, he draws a chalk mark signal on a pole. Note, signals must not be in the DLB's vicinity. Diagram. To look, you'll have to look for the diagram. The um, Young Communist League of Britain, that's ycl.bigcartel.com, are printing a new edition of this pamphlet, by the way, and I trust that I don't have that. I'm going from the free version online, but I, I, that has an introduction from an actual person who was involved in the movement in the 80s, and it has probably the diagrams correctly in there. So head on down to ycl.bigcartel.com. Carrying out the operation. The use of the DLB is an operation which must be carefully planned as follows. 
Comrade A, one, prepares the material, packaging and camouflaging. Two, checks the route for surveillance. Three, observes the situation at the DLB. Four, places the material, if there is no surveillance. Five, returns the route along the route to check for surveillance. Six, places the signal indicating the deposit. Seven, returns home. Comrade B, one, sees the signal of the deposit. Two, checks the route. Three, observes the situation at the DLB. Four, removes the material if there's no surveillance. Five, returns along the route to check for surveillance. Six, places the signal of removal. Seven, returns home. Comrade A, checks the signal of removal. Uh, that's step one. Two, removes the signals. Three, reports the success. Note, it is important that both A and B check that they are not being followed when they go to the DLB and after leaving it. Chapter 18, Stationary, Portable, and Mobile DLBs. We have been discussing the use of the Dead Letter Box, DLB, through which underground members secretly pass material to each other. There are various types of DLBs. One, stationary DLBs are fixed places such as a camouflaged hole in the ground, hollow tree trunk or fence pole, loose brick in a wall, as described in the last issue, um, the last chapter, I think. Uh, this was serialized in a magazine, remember. Uh, two, portable DLBs are containers which can be carried and left in innocent places to be picked up, e.g. discarded cigarette pack, a hollowed-out stick, or a fake piece of rock. Three, mobile DLBs are in different places of transport, car, bus, train, boat, or plane, and are used to communicate between operatives who live far apart. Four, magnetic DLBs. A simple magnet attached to a container increases opportunities for finding places to leave your DLB. With the aid of magnets, you are able to clamp your DLB to any metal object, such as behind a drain pipe, under the rail of a bridge, under a vehicle, etc. Comrade A will use a variety of DLBs with B. Never use a stationary DLB too often because this increases the risk of being spotted. The advantage of a portable DLB is that the place where it is left can be constantly changed. Because of the danger of a stranger picking it up by chance, the time between making the drop and the pickup by your partner must not be long. 5. Portable DLB The Wooden Stick Buy a piece of plastic tubing or pipe. Cut off a 30-centimeter length. Glue pieces of bark around it to make it look like a twig. With a little patience, you will be surprised at how realistic you can make it. You have a portable DLB into which you can insert material. Work out a suitable location where it can be safely dropped for a pickup. You can carry it up your sleeve and drop it in long grass or into a bush near an easy-to-locate reference point. It must be concealed from passers-by and nosy dogs. Alternatively, you can try hollowing out an actual piece of branch or splitting it down the side and gluing it, but you will probably find the plastic pipe easier to handle and longer-lasting. 6. 
portable DLB, the hollow rock. Experiment with plaster of Paris, which you can buy from a chemist uh, at the pharmacy, uh, maybe at the hardware store, uh, and mold it into a shape of a rock. Allow enough of a hollow to hide material. With paint and mud, you can make it look like a realistic rock. Carry it to the drop-off point in a shopping bag. Note, the above can serve as a portable DLB as well as a useful hiding place for the storage of sensitive material around the home. 7. Mobile DLB Comrade A uses the Johannesburg to Durban train to send material to comrades down at the coast. There are numerous hiding places on trains, as with other forms of transport, and if you use magnets, the possibilities are increased. Removing a panel in a compartment provides a useful hiding place. Comrade A does this long before the train's departure, before other passengers arrive. He has a telephonic signal system with the Durban comrades to indicate when the material is on its way and how to locate it. They might get on the train before it reaches Durban. Whatever the case, the operational system must be carefully studied at both ends. Chapter 19, Failure and How to Deal with It. Our series would not be complete if we did not deal with failure in the underground and how to react to setbacks. 1. What do we mean by failure? When members of the underground are exposed, arrested, or killed, when the underground structure is broken up or destroyed by the enemy, failure has occurred. Failure can be where partial only some members are affected, or complete, where the entire network or machinery is smashed. Open failures are those that the enemy chooses to publicize. Concealed failures occur when the enemy succeeds in infiltrating the underground with its agents, but keeps this secret. In this case, they make no immediate arrests, choosing instead to patiently obtain information over a long period. 2. Reasons for failure. There are numerous causes of arrests and setbacks. A. Violating the rules of secrecy. This is one of the main causes of failure. To carry out secret work successfully, everyone must strictly follow the organizational and personal rules of behavior that have been outlined in this series. Common violations of the rules are Failure to limit the number of links between persons. Knowledge of others must be limited. Not keeping to the principle of vertical lines of communication, e.g. a cell leader must not have horizontal contact with other cell leaders, but only with a contact from the higher organ. Failure to compartmentalize or isolate different organs from one another e.g. comrades responsible for producing propaganda, must not take part in its distribution. Poor discipline, e.g. loose talk, carelessness with documents, conspicuous or unnatural behavior, etc. Poor recruitment practices, e.g. failing to check on a person's background, failure to test reliability, selecting one's friends, without considering genuine qualities, etc. Failure to use codes and conceal real identities. Weak cover stories or legends. 
poor preparation of operations and meetings. Violating the rule of knowing only as much as you need to know. Not using the standard methods of personal and impersonal communications. Inadequate preparation of comrades for arrest and interrogation so that they reveal damaging information. B. Weak knowledge of the operational situation. This means not paying sufficient attention to the conditions in the area where you carry out your tasks. Comrades are often caught because they failed to study the methods used by the enemy, the time of police patrols, the guard system, use of informers, etc. Mistakes are made if you fail to take into account the behavior of local people, cultural mannerisms and habits, forms of dress, etc. Knowledge of political, economic, geographic, and transport conditions are part of the operational picture. C. Weakly trained and poorly selected operatives. The underground can only be as strong as its members. Poorly trained leaders result in weak leadership, weak communication links, and poor training of subordinates. This leads to wrong decisions and incorrect behavior throughout the structure and a whole series of mistakes. Care and caution are the key to the selection of capable leaders and recruitment of operatives. D. Weak professional, political, and personal qualities. Serious shortcomings in the qualities required for underground work can lead to failure. For example, a comrade who is sound politically and has good operational skills, but who drinks heavily or gambles, it can put the machinery at risk. Similarly, a person with good professional and personal qualities, but who is politically confused, can be the cause of failure. And a person with good political understanding and fine personal qualities, but who has weak operational capability, is best used for legal work. E. Chance or accident. An unlucky incident can lead to arrest, but is the least likely cause of failure. 3. Preventing failure. Following the principles and rules of secrecy greatly reduces the possibility of failure. Prevention is better than cure. But when failure occurs, we must already be armed with the plans and procedures for dealing with the situation. Chapter 20. Detecting and Localizing Failure When the principles and rules of secrecy are poorly applied, failure and arrests follow. The main dangers come from infiltration by enemy agents or the arrest of comrades on operations. Detecting failure means to be aware of the danger in good time. Localizing failure means to act in order to quickly contain the crisis and prevent the damage spreading. The following are the main points to consider. 1. Review the machinery. It is only possible to detect and localize failure if the underground has been built on a solid basis according to the correct organizational principles. A study and review of the structure, lines of communication, and the personnel is an essential part of secret work but it becomes impossible to obtain a clear picture if the underground has been loosely and incorrectly put together and is composed of some unsuitable persons. 
In such a situation, it becomes very difficult to correct mistakes and prevent infiltration. A network which is tightly organized operates according to the rules of secrecy and is cleared of unsuitable operatives, is easier to review and manage. Two, check suspects. This is part of the work of reviewing the machinery. It must be carried out discreetly so as not to alert the enemy or undermine the confidence of operatives. A. Review the suspect's behavior, movement, and performance. B. Check with co-workers, friends, family. C. Carry out surveillance by the security organ after exhausting the other checks to determine whether there are links with the police. Some tactics of enemy agents. They try to win your confidence by smooth talk and compliments. They try to arouse your interest by big talk and promises. They try to get information and names from you, which is no business of theirs. They try to get you to rearrange lines of communication and contact points to help police surveillance. They may show signs of nervousness, behave oddly, show excessive curiosity. They may pressure you to speed up their recruitment process or that of someone they have recommended. They may ignore instructions or fail to observe rules of secrecy. Note, good comrades can be guilty of lapses in behavior from time to time. And agents can be very clever, so do not jump to conclusions, but study the suspect's behavior with care and patience. Sooner or later, they will make a mistake. Four, localizing failure. This involves two things, acting against infiltration when it is detected and acting against exposure of the machinery and preventing further arrests, capture of documents, material, etc. A, acting against infiltration. The severity of action will depend on the stage reached and the danger posed. The enemy agent may be cut off without explanation, politely cut off with a good believable pretext, e.g. told the underground unit is being dissolved, may be frozen, told they are not being involved because they are being held in reserve. They may be arrested and taken out of the country as a prisoner. Or they may be eliminated, where they pose a serious danger to the survival of comrades, and there is no other way. B. Avoiding arrest. The moment it is known that a comrade has been arrested, those whose identities he or she could reveal must immediately go into hiding. Most arrests take place because this rule is ignored. Even if it is believed that the arrested comrade is unlikely to break, this precaution must still be observed. Everyone must have an escape plan. This includes an early warning system, assistance, a safe hiding place, funds, transport, disguises, and new documents of identity. Endangered comrades may lay low until the threat passes or work in another part of the country or leave the country. All links must be cut with a comrade who has come under enemy suspicion or surveillance. In this case, the comrade may be, quote, put on ice until the danger has passed. 
all documents, incriminating material, etc., must be destroyed or removed from storage places known to the arrested comrade, including from his or her house and place of work. All comrades must be instructed on how to behave if arrested. They must refuse to give away their fellow comrades and strive to resist even under torture. The longer they resist, the more time they give their comrades to disappear and get rid of evidence. Everything must be done to help the arrested comrade by providing legal representation, publicity, food, and reading material if possible solidarity with the family, and also organizing protest. And that is the end of How to Master Secret Work by the Communist Party of South Africa. It's a document from the 1980s, and it was serialized in the magazine Umsebenzi. I am Fergal Schmudlock of the Kingless Generation podcast. You can support this project by going to patreon.com. Look for the Kingless Generation. You'll also get access to the regular podcast episodes. Happy listening.